0: It is enshrined in our Constitution that we have no religious test for public office. But if you ask the average American, religion of our candidates is an important factor. Uh, How important it is to you is really uh, up to you. But today we're going to have a very interesting discussion about the religion of the leading Republican candidate, Donald Trump. Our guest is a professor of theology at Westminster Seminary in Southern California, editor-in-chief of Modern Reformation Magazine, and he's been doing radio longer than I have, host of the nationally syndicated broadcast, The White Horse Inn. Uh, Michael Horton, a delight to have you on Freedom's Ring with us today.
1: Thank you, Alan. Great to be with you.
0: And I sure enjoyed your article in Christianity Today about Donald Trump's theology. Um, what's your insight about his theology and, and what it says about the state of the evangelical mind of the religious right here in America today?
1: Sure. Yeah, I, as I, I tried to point out in that article, as a minister of the gospel, uh, I don't uh, endorse candidates. Nobody cares really what my political views are, or should care at least. Uh, they're important to me. Uh, I try to be as informed a voter as I can be as uh, a freedom-loving American. Um, and I'm not gunning for Donald Trump uh, as a political candidate in this article. My goal here, however, is to to reflect on what it means that a significant number of American evangelical Christians have been attracted to Donald Trump, including a number of uh, prominent Christian leaders.
0: Like Jerry that, Falwell Jr.
1: Exactly. So that provoked me to ask the question, what does this reveal about us? And as I did some more digging, I sort of uh, found a trail uh, leading leading Donald Trump to uh, Norman Vincent Peale, and I wasn't really that surprised after doing that investigation that he was so appealing, since that whole power of positive thinking movement has so influenced the evangelical world. So,
0: I don't want to assume that our listeners are all that familiar with Norman Vincent Peale. Give us a, a, just a thumbnail of, of why Peale is significant.
1: Sure. Well, he was the pastor for 52 years at Marble Collegiate Church in Manhattan, and uh, he, he blended pop psychology and spirituality. His best-known book, published in 1952, was The Power of Positive Thinking, which remained on the New York Times bestseller list for 186 weeks. Uh, it, a lot of people uh, came out in uh, opposition to his emphases. Uh, he was nicknamed "God salesman, uh, criticized widely for trivializing the faith. Uh, Reinhold Niebuhr, a theologian during that time, uh, on the more liberal end, even said that he quote, corrupts the gospel and helps people feel good while they're evading the real issues of life. Uh, so there's a sense that he was not only being superficial, but that he was actually, uh, a purveyor of what has now come to be called more widely the prosperity gospel. God wants you to be rich. God wants you to be successful. And, uh, you know you got to stop this this tragic uh sense of life uh, talking about death and, and sin and right. divine judgment god is basically a uh, uh, a guy with great principles for for success in life and you need to uh you need to learn those principles of success and so he was accused of uh reducing christianity to little more than Uh, A a pep talk with some pop psychology thrown in.
0: And so what's the connection between Norman Vincent Peale and Donald Trump?
1: Well, Peale, of course, was very politically active uh, himself. Uh, In 1952 election, he declared presidential candidate Adelaide Stevenson unfit because he was divorced, interestingly enough. I love Uh,
0: Stevenson's response to that. You've got to quote it.
1: Yeah, isn't it great? He said, speaking as a Christian, I find Paul appealing and Peale appalling. (laughs) I love it. Yeah.
0: You know, Stevenson was one of the smartest presidential candidates that never got elected.
1: He really was. He was a a great defender of of civil liberties. Uh, But uh, Peel believed that uh, the election of any Catholic candidate was just the worst thing that could happen. So during the Kennedy-Nixon campaign, uh, he came out very strongly uh, against uh, the Kennedy campaign and uh, became a lifelong friend of Richard Nixon after that. But Trump's parents attended Peel Sermons every week, and uh, he attended with them and grew up in that church, and and he frequently recalled the impact of those talks on his life. He and his sisters, in fact, were married by Peel.
0: Interesting.
1: Uh, Yeah, so there's a very close connection. Peel... or uh, Donald Trump, says that Peel was perhaps the most important uh, influence on his life in terms of a leader of note.
0: So that tells us a lot about where Trump's connection to Christian faith or Christian religion comes from. Um, Some of us doubted that he had any connection at all, but apparently he, he does have this connection, Um,
1: Yeah, there were a lot of people, Alan, at the time, who didn't think that uh, Norman Vincent Peale had very much of a connection to Christianity.
0: Well, I get that, too. But um, uh, I think the point of of your article was, you know, what uh, the widely reported strong evangelical support for Trump, what that says about the state of the evangelical world. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Well, you look at, for example, um, his relationship with Joel Osteen. Uh, uh, Joel Osteen is, is sort of next to Robert Shuler, who was Norman Vincent Peale's protege. Uh, Joel Osteen today is I, probably the uncontested uh, incarnation of that power of positive thinking that Peale promoted. And it's not a surprise that uh, Osteen has called Trump a friend of our ministry and a good man, and Trump returning the favor by tweeting, being associated with Joel is my great honor. He's a fantastic man. So that doesn't mean that they're joined at the hip, but uh, there is a mutual admiration uh, that they have for each other that makes perfect sense. And, and, and you know, it goes to this whole point that in our, in our time and place in history, American Christianity is not necessarily on the side of the friend of sinners who died on the cross to bear our guilt and sin so that we could be justified before a holy God and reconciled and so forth. Donald Trump has said that, that uh, he has has never even had to confess his sin to God because he doesn't have anything to confess. He and God are in perfectly good terms. So uh, it's basically what William James called the religion of the healthy soul versus the religion of the sick soul. Uh, the Bible, uh, you know, has this kind of uh, realistic sense of the tragic aspect of life, that we're fallen, we're sinful, and we're going to die. We need a Savior. We need a rescuer. But he contrasted that with a religion of uh, the healthy soul, which is very much the upbeat, optimistic, uh, hey, look at what uh, God can do for you if you just follow his principles kind of message in America. I when I look out at much of American preaching and teaching today, and what I hear a lot of times on the airwaves and see in the uh, the bookstores, uh, it, it's miles away from uh, the theology of the cross and the resurrection uh, and our hope, not in ourselves, but in what God has, has done for us in Jesus Christ, miles away from that, and it's much more focused on me how I can better, be a better me, uh, principles for success, how I can have a better marriage, and so on and so forth.
0: Well, you know, listening to you, Michael, I'm reminded of Paul's discussion in Romans chapter 1, where he analyzes the impact of society abandoning the worship of the Creator for the worship of the Creature. Because what you're describing is is kind of a narcissistic approach to religion. It's all about me and how I can you know have a happy life. And uh, oh, that sin stuff—that's old-fashioned. Yeah. You know. Um, and uh, and I'm also reminded of where Paul describes the cross. Uh, you know, to the Greeks as foolishness, to the Jews a stumbling block, and the same is true today. It's it's a stumbling block. It's foolishness.
1: Well, and, and you know, years ago we had uh, Robert Schuler, who, as I mentioned, was Norman Vincent Peale's protege. We had Doctor Schuler on our White Horse Inn program, and uh, I asked him, uh, in, in light of your your argument here, that we need to talk not about sin, uh, but about uh, how we can become better people with God's help. Uh, we need to we, we need to become more. Uh, greater lovers of ourselves, which he actually said, uh, what you would do with Paul's warning to Timothy that in the last days men will be lovers of themselves, proud, conceited, haughty, and so forth, and he said, I, I hope you don't preach that, and I said, well, well I'm just the text, I'm just reading what Paul said. He says, well, whatever you're spewing out there, uh, he he said, uh, if you do that, you're going to hurt a lot of beautiful people, and so. That, for me, crystallized the sense of how far some people who claim to be ministers of the gospel will go to bending Christianity towards uh, the American spirit of pull yourself up by your own bootstrap.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I heard one writer uh, who's actually not a Christian believer but was sufficiently interested in religion and, uh, he said for this project, he went in search of the American Jesus and he was surprised how many Jesuses he found. And I think it's a, you know, it, it's almost a universal tendency that instead of us bowing before the creator of the universe and acknowledging his will and his plan of salvation, uh, we want to make Jesus, uh, into our own image.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. There there are about three hundred and sixty million Jesuses, one for each of us.
0: <laughs> In this country alone. Not to mention the rest of the world.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So but you know, it yeah anything that you tell yourself, uh I tell myself all kinds of nonsense every day. The good news is is so much greater than all, all the crazy stuff I tell myself. I have to be told the gospel by someone else precisely because i would never believe it myself and oh man to be trapped inside my own well-wishing my own schemes for self-improvement my own views of myself that are so far from reality is to be trapped it's to be imprisoned the good news of the gospel calls me out of all of that and tells me something i would never hear great news from another world from heaven itself, uh, God coming down to us to save us, not about our climbing up. Uh, I'll meet you at the top.
0: That's a wonderful way for us to close. Our guest today, uh, theologian Michael Horton, also host of The White Horse Inn. We've been talking about the theology of Donald Trump. Michael, it's been a pleasure to have you with us on Freedom's Ring today.
1: Wonderful to be with you, Alan. God bless.
0: And God bless you as well. As we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we offer help to those suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. That's www.churchstate.org. And you can now listen to Freedom's Ring anytime you wish, on SoundCloud or on iTunes. Check out our SoundCloud radio station. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed get involved. Join the North American Religious Liberty Association today on the web at religiousliberty.info. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.